They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors. Welcome to Two Bald Pastors, a podcast about real faith and real life. I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. And I'm Joe McGarry. And we are two follically challenged pastors serving in congregations in the New England Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, or as we like to call it, the ELCA. Hi, Joe. How are you today? I am great, Jeff. How are you? I am also doing well. It's a foggy day down here in Connecticut. What's it like up by you? Yeah, it's been raining all day, so I uh, am a little sad about that. I've been uh, on a hard training course for... Uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, riding my bike outside, getting ready for Tour de Cure. It's, it's a 65-mile bike race that I'll be participating in, uh, raising money for diabetes research. So to, to help awesome. prevent diabetes in a number of folks. It, as someone who has diabetes, it it's a real, hits really close to my heart. So, and it's given me an excuse to kind of go outside and and to challenge myself and, and to ride. So a little nervous about it, but uh, also really excited. It's been training for that, and, and uh, you know, I'm not as hardcore yet to go outside and ride my bike in the rain, but but I definitely will will get on tomorrow. It's not sp- supposed to be overcast the rest of the week, but uh, rain or shine, I'll get on tomorrow because I'm trying to get out uh, four to five days a week and just ride as much as I can. That's fantastic. When you go out for a bike ride, how many miles are you riding right now? So most every day I'm doing at least 10 miles, 10, 10 to 12 miles right now. But then my long rides are either Friday or Saturday when I, when I have the time. And that's getting close to, to 20 miles. And my, my goal is to, to get to 30, 35 in the next couple of weeks. So to work my way up to the, to the 65. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, good luck on the, on the run race. It'll Thank be, you. Thank it'll you. be great. Yeah, yeah. And Addie's getting ready with her running, too? That's she is getting thing. ready. Yeah, she's getting ready to do Girls on the Run and her 5K. So actually, the date of that was changed to June oh. 11th. So she has a little more time to get ready for that. So our race is not the same day. So she has. So I'll be able to, to see her in her race, and she'll be able to come down to mine. See, that worked out perfect. It did. It did. <laughs> Well, let's follow up our conversation with Mark Huber, who is the mission developer and now pastor of Sanctuary Church in Marshfield. Yeah, I I like Mark a lot, and I like talking with him and kind of getting inside his his creative mind a little bit. He is definitely someone who has a lot of ideas, a lot of energy and and passion for what he's doing. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. He's got a good way of uh, welcoming new people and uh, getting them involved and stuff, too. Yeah, yeah, and and he and Sarah make a great team. Uh, his wife Sarah make a great team and and ministry partners. And so, what are some of the takeaways that you had from that conversation, Jeff? So when we got kind of near the end of the conversation, we were talking about uh, you know starting a new congregation and what could be learned by that, and uh, maybe you know people would try to copy it, or were there things to learn? And he highlighted three things that I thought were really interesting and engaging. One was that like attracts like. The things that you emphasize, people that also emphasize those things would be interested in. That networks are super important and just the uh, openness to try new things. It kind of hit me when, when he talked about like attracts like. When you have a certain kind of mindset and you go out there and you present that mindset to either a congregation or even out into the world, you are going to attract 
the same kind of people with that mindset that you're putting out. So if you're putting out a, a really negative mindset, you know, right, a mindset right, of right. scarcity and, and th that's the kind of mindset that people are going to be drawn to and, and people with a negative mindset are going to come. But if you're putting a, a positive mindset and one of abundance and one of joy and gladness and passion, I really think those are the type of people that you're going to attract into your inner circle or, or to your congregation. Yeah, and I wondered about that, um, not even just from uh, attracting new people, but but bringing those qualities out in the community that already exists. Yes, yeah. Uh, you know, we both serve established congregations uh, that have been around for a while, and they have their own personalities and their own emphases uh, in the ministry that they do. And we, as the pastors serving those congregations, bring our own personalities and things we're interested in to them. Uh, I was kind of interested in just how that interfaces. I mean, I, you got to think every relationship impacts another relationship, or at least I do. Uh, so, you know, how are we as leaders shaped by the places we serve, and how are the places we serve shaped by us? You know, what's kind of how does like attract like in those regards? Have you had any thoughts about that? Yeah, I think that it is true in established congregations as well, especially from the leadership. You know, if you have a leadership that really is connected to the mission of the church, really focused on, on the spiritual aspects and doing things not just to get more money coming into to the plate or uh, to just more, more people in the church for the sake of bringing more people in church, but if you're focused on discipleship and raising up uh, new leaders and having that positive mindset, that is going to be contagious throughout the rest of the congregation. And just an example of that is when I came to my current congregation a, a few years ago, I don't think it's, it's too much of a secret that there was a lot of conflict in my congregation from a rocky past. Yeah. And uh, I came into that and it, it was hard. It was hard the first six to eight months um, because it was just continual fighting about one thing or another and people butting heads all the time. And it was, it was hard for me as a leader because it's easy to kind of get drawn into that and to become part of that negative mindset. But I was very intentional about building up, you know, a network, which we'll, we'll talk about, but, but also putting a, a different spin onto that and, and talking about in my, in my sermons and my Bible studies and the newsletter articles and emails, just how we are called in common mission to be with each other, to support one another and to care for one another. And let me tell you, two years into that, you know, it really has changed the atmosphere of the congregation because people are really drawn to that and really are changing their mindset to this unity that, that is talked about rather than what divides us, what separates us. Yeah, that's fantastic. And it's not going to be like a light switch either. It's going to be a long process of people buying into that whole process. Right. And it's, and it's not perfect. I mean, there's, there's still that, there's still negativity here and there. There's some things that are systemic and congregations that are always going to be there. No congregation is ever going to be perfect, but, right. uh, but the general feeling is more positive and uh, looking towards a bright future rather than dwelling on the past and how things have changed. Yeah, we're working on some of our organizational things right now. Um, one of the things we've been doing as a leadership team is, uh, well, I learned this from another congregation I was in years ago, but we, we put everything that was happening on its own note card. You know, so Sunday school was a note card. Uh, prayer shawl ministry was a note card. 
you know, each yeah. of the committees, all that stuff. Um, the pile was like almost an inch and a half thick. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like, okay, you know, people always talk about how many silos there are in the church, how one group might not relate to another group, or is anybody actually in charge of this? And we kind of mapped that out and kind of said, well, actually, I can see why people think that. You know, it's just, a, yeah, okay, we got to work on that structure. And I am tend to be um, a little less structured, but I'm learning from some of my leaders who are very gifted in that area to really say, yeah, if we, have a, if we don't have a structure that works, we're not going to be working together in a way that is helpful. Right. So it's been kind of fun to be working on that process and, and for me, owning that. And two, just bringing some of you know the positive energy I try to bring to things to that, to say this is about us working together and how this, you know, how we can serve better. And, uh, you know, if we're, we're looking at the outcome, which is to be not just productive, but connecting with people, not just in the church, but also outside the walls, uh, you, you need, you need to have enough of a support network to be able to do that. And without it, it's kind of why things seem frayed sometimes. Right. So, right. Uh, so that's been great. And I know that too is going to take a little time but at the same time, I feel like there's some real energy and passion there. And you'd say, oh, you know, working on an org chart is not the most exciting thing in the world. But it is when you start thinking about, well, this will enable us to really do some ministry uh, and enhance already the things that are happening. So, Yeah, that, that structure is critical. And to have everyone be on the same page, so to speak, and have everyone understand who's responsible for what, it, it just makes ministry and, and being a church together so much better. So what are some of the ways that we can live out this uh, idea of, of attracting people with the same mindset and, and like attracts like? Well, I think the, the big gifts that we have as Lutheran Christians is this whole idea of grace, you know, just uh, unadulterated, just open arms of mercy for people. Uh, wouldn't you say that yeah. that's a, a, yeah. a great gift we have? I mean, not that we don't have responsibility to one another, of course we do, or, or that we, we can't call each other to higher standards when we need to, of course. But at the same time, I mean, that's just, it's such an emphasis for us in our tradition that to be able to say, you know, we're here to encourage one another, to welcome one another, to cultivate the gifts that we have, to, to be thankful and, and gratuitous with how we treat each other and, and generous uh, out, of, out of that rich source of just enjoying one another for who we are and who God has made us to be. And uh, I, I think as Lutheran Christians anyway, we've got a great gift to to add to the whole church. And as communities of faith centered around that, boy, I, I think people are starving for that kind of stuff. I think they are too. They're looking for that, for that community. They're looking for that place to belong. And I, I think as much as we are invested in the activities of our life, you know, we, both of us have, have kids and, and, and spouses who are just busy with one thing or another, and we can find ourselves going from one activity to another. And, you know, we, ha we have friends that we are connected with. We have social media profiles that we are updating and, and that, all that kind of stuff. But many of us are looking for that place where we can just be ourselves and be welcome for who we are and, and not necessarily what we have to bring, uh, not necessarily for uh, what we can what we can necessarily offer, but just to go to a place and, and to, to exist. When we become a welcoming 
congregation, when we become a welcoming people, we will find that other welcoming people will, will come into our midst. And, you know, I, I heard it said that you are, you are made up of the five people you spend the most time with. So mm-hmm. who are you spending your time with? And are they negative people? Are they positive people? And, and if they are negative people, then what are you going to do about that? You know? Yeah, right. Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that. So I would say that the flip side of that or the other side of that coin, you know, one, it's great to be a place of, of welcome and mercy and grace and acceptance, uh, you know, as, as God's people. Uh, but I also think the other side of that is we serve people and we don't treat them as objects. You know, it's not like we, we, we do good in the world because we know that'll earn us something with God, or we don't, right. we don't serve other people so it looks good and we can feel good about ourselves and pat each other on the back, or we don't, uh, we don't do mission in the community as a form of marketing. You know what I mean? It's, it's none of those things. We, we help other people because it's, that's who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one, we're called to it, but two, it's, it's, it's a part of our DNA and, um, you know, to be a part of a community that's outward focused and, and looking to not just welcome people in the building, but be a welcoming presence wherever we are. But there are two great strengths we have as Lutheran Christians. Now, other Christians emphasize different things and have other gifts to give as well. And each congregation, of course, is different and has different ways of doing that. But I would, for me at least, those two things go hand in hand. How about you? Does that resonate? That definitely resonates, yeah. It is amazing how how those things can be part of a community and part of the DNA of who we are in the community, the community as a congregation, as a church. And and it's difficult, though, because when, you know, many churches, especially nowadays, look at particular aspects of their ministry, aspects of who they are, and, and they look, oh, man, numbers are down on a Sunday morning and finances aren't very sturdy or whatever. And, and so there, there are those people who say, well, we need to get out there in the community so we get more people and get more money. And right. that's, that's the kind of thing that we want to steer away from. We don't, you know, right. that's then not you the are treating why. people as objects, right? Right, you're, right. You're just, right. You're, not, you're not meeting them as human beings that are also gifted and loved and cared for by, by God and need uh, connections with other people to, to grow and serve and, and love. And, yep. Right. So it's, it's finding ways to say, yeah, we want to get out in the community. We want to connect with people. But... The reason we are doing that is not necessarily to uh, get them to come to church or to ha- have them bring, bring more money into the church, but it is to... Uh, yeah, now hopefully those are side effects, uh, but that's not the reason. That's not it. the reason, right. That's not the primary reason. It's, it's to help people connect with God in a deep, deeper, more meaningful way. Yeah, um, not to lift up a commercial for ourselves, but in a future conversation that you'll hear if you listen to this podcast, we had a conversation with um, John Longworth, who's a pastor friend of ours, and they, the congregation he's serving in Vermont, they grouped all their ministry under one heading of a, a food ministry that they participate in. So there's like attracts like, uh, because it's, okay, if you're passionate about serving the hungry, uh, that's what they do. So they kind of use that as the banner for everything they, they try to do, which I, to me was very inspiring. But I also think it's, it's a good way if we can think in our contexts about, you know, what is the ministry we're doing and can we group things in a way that says, this is it. We can't do everything, but we're going to do this. The other people that are passionate about it, if they're connected to the, the local community as we hope to be, it, I, would, 
I would think that theme would resonate. <laughs> right. Because those right. are the needs we're trying to uh, address and participate in. You know, whether it's refugee resettlement or whether it's housing issues or whether it's um, communities trying to deal with new forms of diversity and how those conflicts arise uh, around people that haven't been in the entrenched in the community as others have been for, for years or generations. Uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff we can do, but I think for me anyway, that whole uh, grace has a two sided piece to it. It's, it's one being welcomed and included yourself. And two, it's, it's being a person that does that for others. Right. That's a good way to put it. That's uh, yeah. I think the struggle that many individuals and probably congregations will have is to figure out what is the thing that they are going to put out there into the world to draw like-minded people. And like you said, there are a ton of different kind of possibilities out there. Uh, and, and I think that the, the love of God that we can share and the grace that's been given to us that we can tell others about is, is critically important and part of the DNA of who we are. But like you mentioned, John's church is about feeding people. And it's not just one way. It is many different ways that they are exploring that That's right. and they are connecting with the community. And I think he said, you know, they, they, in a span of a, a year or so, they can have three to four hundred people part of their ministry and their church only worships about 60 on a Sunday. So yeah, right. you have all these other people that are connected to the congregation that are not necessarily coming on a Sunday morning, but maybe consider the, that church their home church and learning more about themselves, learning more about God and what the God can offer them, not necessarily through a sermon on a Sunday, but through the sermon of actually working with their hands. Right. For an individual or congregation to say, okay, what is our passion and how are we going to connect what we do here on a weekly basis with the, with the wider world you know, what is that going to be? Like I said, is it ref refugee resettlement or is it food ministry or is it uh, housing ministry or whatever it is? Uh, it's important and really critical for for individuals and congregations to figure out what that thing is and, and then really embrace that and live that out. Yeah, and, and it occurs to me there's a downside to this, too, that like attracts like you could take it. I don't think this is what was meant or what we're talking about at all, but you could take like a attract likes to mean an economic status or only other Lutherans. Right. Or whatever. You know what I mean? You can use it as a separator to say we only want these kinds of people, which I think is a huge mistake. I don't think that's what we're talking about, just to clarify that. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're not we're we're talking about a mindset rather than right, a status exactly. or the way you look or the how you act or whatever. It's 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 a mindset of possibility and it's 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 a positive thing too. We don't you know, like I mentioned before, we don't want to have that mindset of scarcity and, and negativity because we will attract other people with that kind of mindset. We we were talking about a mindset of mission and abundance and grace and love, and that's the kind of mindset that, that we're talking about here. That's right. I mean, we're two bald pastors, but I know we have friends with all kinds of different hair configurations. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and that's a good thing. That is a very good thing. That is a very good thing. 
Well, let's uh, move into the second theme about uh, networks. We've had this kind of recurring conversation about networks. It seems like we live in a, a, a world, this 21st century world, where networks are absolutely critical. And they come across all kinds of different platforms from, from the networks you build in your local context with, with people or with organizations uh, to people you're networked with online that can be in any physical location. What kind of insights you want to share about that? Well, I've been a part of uh, many different kinds of networks. And, and like Mark talked about, the kind of neat thing is that the networks that we can be a part of now in today's world is not just in our immediate context, not just within our community or within our conference or even synod, but we can con be connected to anyone anywhere in the world on a regular basis. And yep. that is really a, a neat thing. I still value in-person networks uh, quite a bit. And I was part of a, a small mentoring group in my first call. And, and then when coming to New England, I'm, I'm again part of a, a small in-person kind of mentoring group. We meet once a month and, and talk about our, our different context and, and what we are experiencing. And we have a facilitator who's part of that group. And he helps us think out through things. And, and that's been such a value to me in my ministry. And it's, it's a group that's made up of a bunch of different people. So there's, there's uh, solo pastors, there's associate pastors, senior pastors. Um, we're all Lutheran, uh, so we're all connected that way. But, but it's a really diverse uh, group of people um, in, in that. And I, I really find value in that. Yeah, I find a network that I'm missing here now that I'm in Old Saybrook, is kind of a local ministerium. Uh, we have a wider group across the, the county, really, but it's such a wide area, it's hard to relate directly with folks. But when I was in New Canaan, there, we had seven churches of all different stripes, politically and theologically, across the board. But boy, we got along great, and uh, it was a good support system. Uh, it was non-competitive. I mean, it was just, it was really a remarkable thing. And it was really great because we could we could get together and say, you know, how's it going? And you'd really get, listen to each other. And plus you'd say, okay, I know that this thing is going on. Is that something you guys are interested in participating in too? We know of this person in the community that's really struggling. Uh, has this person encountered you at all? Those kinds of local networks are, are great. And I've, I've enjoyed that in the past. We don't really have that here. It's really just a couple of us to get together for lunch occasionally. Those, I think, are, are great, not just professionally, too. I mean, it's, it's good to have networks of organizations, you know, local organizations. You know, if you're going to be doing, say, a food ministry, boy, wouldn't it be good to be involved with the local soup kitchen network, food collection agencies and things like that? So, yeah, I think those in-person things really are, are helpful. Yeah, and even find ways to be connected with folks that are they might not know how you're going to be connected or what the value you can bring to the table at first. I'm part of this regional behavioral health initiative that is started in my area. And so I attend these meetings with, with folks who provide care and aftercare for people with uh, mental health disorders, behavior disorders, and, and talking about patient care and all these other uh, medical terms. And I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing there or why I'm there. But then when I have these conversations with folks, uh, I, I can provide things for, for 
support in in different ways than that they can provide you know the church can provide and be there as a resource for these organizations whether it is you know spiritual care or transportation or meeting places or you know we're just finding different ways that that uh, we can be connected and, and bring value into other organizations um, that might not know how you can be connected at first but but open yourselves and say, is this something that I want to be a part of? Can I bring value? And what is that value that I can bring? Um, and, and then go from there. Yeah. I also, I mean, what if we considered the, the church, I mean, the congregation as the church as its own network. I mean, our congregation is not unique in the fact that we've got people basically commuting a half hour in every direction. To, to come to worship on a Sunday morning or participate in, in a group. So you think, okay, um, of the people gathered, it's not like we're all neighbors in the same neighborhood. We, we live in, in a variety of different places across a wide area, involved in a number of other organizations, working in a variety of places. I mean, just think of the network each person brings. And then if you could start connecting those networks together, what an amazing way you could you could impact the wider community. I mean, it's just what we give so many resources that are underutilized. Oh, I, uh, yeah, through, I totally through, agree. Through our yeah. people that are connected and doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Think about the person that you sit next to in the pews. You know, right. do you do you know what their profession is? Do you know what their hobbies are? You know, a number of some of the elders in your church, do you know? what they used to do and some of their experiences. And, and I think you're totally right. We have uh, a goldmine in our congregations of, of experiences and, and memories. And, and uh, it, it's a, it would be wonderful to be able to tap into that and to know, oh, yeah, I'm going to you know, sit next to Sally. And she uh, you know, used to be a, a, a nurse for, for 45 years in the school system. And you know, to hear all those stories and to hear, you know, her experiences and, and to see the, the value that she can bring into your life is amazing. And to, to take advantage of those opportunities and really just get to know people in your own context and in your own congregation. Yeah, to use your um, metaphor before that you are the five people that you're closest to. Yeah. Imagine who those five people are and, and that they are a part of the conversation, whatever it is. Yeah. And you think, wow, okay, there's there's a lot of gifts to be shared there. There definitely is a lot of gifts. So so to find find ways that you can be connected and to have some sort of network, and not just to stick with the people that you know, but also explore other types of networks and and to see how those networks can be available and uh, supportive in, in what you are trying to do in your life. And as you explore those to see what are you being called to or drawn to in this world to be able to connect with, with folks on a deeper level. Some of the really important things I think for us moving forward in our lives. Absolutely. So the last category of those three that we highlighted is to try stuff. Now we are supposed to be a synod of experimentation so we have the full support of our network of congregations and synod staff uh, to try new things in our local context. What kinds of things have you been trying, Joe? We continue to try new things and to experiment with uh, Project Help, which is our extended ministry that is uh, connecting with people through nutrition, 
through cooking classes. One of the things that we're doing this summer is we're having a kids culinary and nutrition boot camp. So we are going to be trying this. I'm not sure if it's going to be a success or a failure at this point. I haven't done anything like this before, uh, but we're looking at uh, kind of a, a VBS model where we'll have different stations that kids will rotate through. And we're going to focus on different skills each day, uh, knife skills and so how to make sauces and how to make pizza and the perfect pie crust and, hmm. and that sort of thing. So we'll ex expose the, the, the participants to these ideas and these cooking skills. And then we'll also talk about the nutritional value in the things that we're making that day. And we're going to, you know, have some time for, you know, recreation and, and just kind of getting out and running around a little bit. So all of these things we're going to we're going to have the kids be involved with for five days and we'll see how it is. It may, it may really be a, a, a phenomenal hit and really connect with the kids and they'll be excited about it. Or, you know, we can have one or two or kids. Or maybe not. <laughs> but one of the, the neat things is just to, to be able to try that and to be able to say, is this something that, that we can connect with our community, with our congregation, and not only talk about the nutritional value, the not only talk about the, the skills that need to go into healthy cooking and healthy living, but also the spiritual value on, on why do we do this? Where does our food come from? And how can we utilize the blessings that God has given us in this meal, in these skills to be a blessing for others? And part of it is definitely gonna be an outreach to um, expose the kids to world hunger issues and, and what the church is doing in those areas to the local needs of food insecurity in our community and how we can um, help eradicate that in, in very simple ways. So, so that's going to be part of the, the conversation as well. That's great. Yeah, what are you guys doing in, in Old Saybrook? Well, we're trying to work with other churches a little bit more. Uh, as I was kind of alluding to with the ministerium piece, a lot of our congregations don't really work together or, or kind of like operate on their own. So uh, we've, we've started to cultivate a relationship with the congregational church in town, First Church. Uh, so we've done, we did an Easter sunrise service together. We did a, a kid event last summer in the wintertime. We did uh, a, a Christmas care package project jointly. Uh, so we're, we're trying to do more and more things like that. And then uh, at the same time, we have a neighboring uh, Lutheran congregation, Trinity and Centerbrook. We're doing a mission trip for our youth groups jointly. And we're looking to expand ways to um, more do a little bit more collaboration beyond that as well. So those kinds of things are fun. You find new energy, new ideas. You connect with people. It's like I was saying, kind of the overlying geography of things. I mean, I've, I've met more people from uh, Trinity Congregation uh, that live closer to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's that's been kind of fun to connect with them on a different level, too. So. That's really uh, cool. That's really neat. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. And I know the other thing that both of us have been trying has been to do more online stuff, uh, not just the podcast. And we've both posted videos and, and things like that in the past, but we're doing a live stream of our sermons on, on Facebook Sunday mornings. You want to share a little bit how that's been going for you? Yeah, so Facebook, for those of you who don't know, has this feature where you can do a live stream. So basically... It's, it's all on your mobile phone. You, you pull up Facebook and you do a new status message and then you see a little figure with kind of a halo over it and you hit that button and it brings you to a new screen where you, you can type in a status message and then you hit 
go live and it live streams whatever you're seeing right there from your phone and then your Facebook friends can get a notification um, telling them that you have gone live they click on it and in that moment you you are broadcasting to them so we, we talked about this a little bit and thought it would be kind of neat to experiment and to try something new with our sermons on Sunday to live stream our sermons so not only are we getting the video which we can save the video and, and reproduce for different purposes but also we can connect with those people on our Facebook feed who are not necessarily in our in our hometowns or, or those people in our congregation who for one reason or another cannot make it to church on a Sunday morning and I have been blown away by uh, the effects that this has had on the the value that we are able to bring to our family to our friends to people that we don't necessarily know we're averaging probably between 150 to 250 you know people viewing this on a sunday morning sometimes on a sunday morning i get more people watching the live feed than attended in church on that sunday morning and it has been it has brought so much value to my life and the life of the of my community how about you how, how have you seen the effects on this yeah, very similar. I, I would say it's been at least as many people view it online uh, that are present in the flesh. Um, and, and most weeks, it seems like it's twice as many. Right. So then you think, okay, that's that's three times the impact you're able to um, to bring. And it's not about numbers per se, but it's just the idea of, of it being effective uh, for very little cost as far as not just the, the monetary value, which it costs you nothing, but just the effort involved is pretty easy. <laughs> right, right. I mean, right. we I, I've been videoing my sermons for years, but that requires setting up the video camera, you know, downloading it later, using an editing piece of software, spending the usually takes few hours putting that together and then being able to um, upload it into a, a platform like YouTube. Where this, you basically just pull your phone out and hit go, and you're you're right there. And uh, you know, I've had a number of comments of people saying, you know, I've I've watched your videos in the past, uh, you know, whenever you get them posted, but to be able to feel like you're there because it's live adds a value that you can't really describe. You know, just to feel like you're in the room if you're not, and that's that's cool. I think that's that's really fantastic. I mean, in the future, I see this going even bigger you know this is this is the way to connect with people it definitely is a, a great way to connect with people and it's it's a way like you said to to make people feel like they are right there and and i've had you know a number of comments from folks saying you know just people in in the community that i'm friends on with on facebook saying hey i watched your sermon the other day and and i had one of the things that we don't know who watches it so right. i had no idea that this person watched it and they you know they're connected to another church and that that's great but to to know that they were out there uh you know watching and, and and interacting is is great and phenomenal and and this is something you know when we talk about live video in our culture today it is something that is really catching on and it is you know not only necessarily video but live video where people can interact directly with you in that moment is is really um, kind of the, the newest newest craze out there in social media and something that I think is something that many people and especially church leaders should should take notice. Yeah, it, and I don't think it's it's trying to be provocative or trying to be, you know, cutting edge. I think it's one of those things that's almost required. 
Right. Uh, because let's face it, church is a scary place if you're not familiar. Um, even if you are a church person, when you go to a new congregation, it's kind of scary. You don't know the local customs. <laughs> you don't know how it works. You don't know if the people will talk to you or not. So to be able to kind of check it out and be there without having to be there first, I think is it's even better than like checking the website and seeing if it's got things that I think are interesting going on. I don't know. That's at least my impression. And and on the other side of it, too, you have people that would probably not go to church. Either they've had bad experiences or it's not really a part of their lives or they have a misconception about what what happens. You're you're providing a window in to say, this is what we are about. I always hope people look at the body of work of my sermons rather than just one. I think I find that a little... <laughs> we all hope for that. <laughs> more self-redemptive, at least, to say, okay, I'm, I'm trying here, too. You know what I mean? So Then when you come, there's a little bit more familiarity, perhaps. You've, you've seen the inside of the space. You've seen a few of the people there. You know what the pastor is like when they speak. Hopefully you hear from that like-attracts-like perspective uh, what are kind of some core values that at least this leader has that maybe you might want to connect with? Or maybe some questions. I mean, I'd love to get to the point where you could do this kind of live streaming thing and receive some input and be able to respond to it uh, live, you know? Right. And that uh, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I think there are so many other applications rather than just yeah, sermon I, thing. But I think that's definitely right. You know, when we talk about other video opportunities, you know, to have a, a lectionary conversation or, or to tell people, this is what's coming up on Sunday for our readings. What are your thoughts about it? To have right. a, a Facebook live Bible study where people can there you go. tune into and, and to, um, to, to hear about. Or, you know, if you're doing some sort of youth group fundraiser or fundraiser capital campaign for the church or whatever, you know, to bring people in live through one of the meetings and say, hey, we just talked about these exciting things and, and we're going to let you know more about them. Uh, because one of the things that Facebook does is it's not just only on your Facebook profile, but now if you have a, a Facebook group for your church, you can go in and just let people know insider information if, if you want to do that. Or um, you can, you know, there's so many applications for it. It's, it's, it's really just trying to organize and say, okay, what is going to bring us the most value for utilizing this platform and then and then just go for it try it and if it doesn't work you know do do something a, a little bit different and see if that works yeah i mean wouldn't it be cool i mean not to make this all about worship but wouldn't it be cool to to be able to say live stream the sermon and at the same time be able to ask people for prayer requests and then include those in the service yeah yeah you'd have to check it you know what I mean? You'd have to you'd have to be able to monitor it and and be able to bring that forward. So I think it would require enabling some people to do that. That's not you or me because we're busy leading. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But it would be good if you had some. You know, wouldn't that be cool? And then you say, okay, awesome. you know, yeah. we're here gathered in uh, you know Gardner, Massachusetts, and it's Sunday morning, and uh, here's a person in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, that has this prayer, and we're lifting that up too. Cool. Yeah, I, I wonder, uh, something that I'll have to, have to check out, just thinking out loud here, because one of, the, one of the limitations from Facebook Live was that it was only broadcast 30 minutes, and then yeah, it would right. be done. So, so doing an extended part of the service wouldn't necessarily work unless they have lifted that or extended that a little bit. 
um, to, to, if they did it like an hour, it would be, you know, for most congregations, perfect to be able to live stream the whole hour. Then you're, when you're, we're talking about music and stuff, then you're looking at copyright issues. But if you're doing a, a prayer component and, and a, a preaching component, um, that wouldn't be necessarily as, as bad, but, but yeah, there's, there's, there's so many ways to, to think about this and look at it and to say, you know, and, and I, we, we bring this up a little bit because, you know, last, last year, you know, what Mark and Sarah did was to have a live stream through YouTube uh, right. service that they really connected with people who were buried in snow all over New England. And, uh, and, you know, we, we talked about the fact that that necessarily wasn't a format that we could, they could do every single week, but um, as we, <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah. as as we get it more and more into um, this this new area of, of accessibility for uh, live video, it, it definitely is something that can be engaging and, and think about how can we utilize this to to our best potential and and really bring value to people and and to, to connect with people. Absolutely, I mean uh, this year's Senate Assembly here in New England takes place over a Sunday. Um, I don't know if we could put this together in time, but wouldn't it be cool to have a live stream from that event that you could then bring into your congregation? Oh, that would be great. Because you could have the ability to be connected in a whole much bigger way. I mean, that, I mean, talk about, you know, we're a network of, of ministry and that's, that's who we are as church. It's not just our congregation, but, but all of us as the body of Christ. Um, to be able to actually participate in something like that, I think could be really fantastic. I think it would be great to, to if if we were able to get everybody the the music that was um, you know taking place at the synod assembly and say, okay, for this hour at this time we are going to be streaming this, and this is how your church can connect to it. And imagine if if a hundred churches o o around New England were worshiping together, singing the same songs. Um, listening to the same readings, hearing the same preacher. Uh, talk about unity in the church. That would just be phenomenal. I think that it could be, it could be really fantastic. It would be an interesting experience anyway to reflect on after. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So is there anything else that you wanted to lift up from uh, our conversation with Mark? Well, one thing was kind of where we started the whole process with Mark is we went up to worship there Sunday afternoon. And um, it was after both of us got done with all our regular stuff Sunday morning. Uh, you know, they started a new thing when they started that congregation. And when they, when they did, they didn't say, we're going to create another Sunday morning church. Uh, let's find some people that want to get together at another time. I think there's some strength to that. Uh, I mean, I know a lot, just think of the replication of effort that happens across the country Sunday morning. Maybe there's there's more niches we could fill and more opportunities we could give folks by not always being so constrained to like, oh, it's got to be Sunday morning at, say, 9 or 10 or whatever. Now, breaking that would be difficult, but we can certainly start some other things. And I'm not saying Sunday afternoon is necessarily the answer either. But, you know, when we're looking to, to partner with other ministries or when we're looking to maybe create something new for people, I mean, those are the kinds of conversations we have. We should be having. It's not just can we replicate what we're doing, but where are the niches where people aren't being connected and can we go find a way to connect there? 
I think that's definitely true. And, and to think about, think outside the box a little bit as far as, yeah, right. As, exactly. as how we're going to do that. And even like we we're talking about with the live video saying, Hey, you know, we're, we're just gonna have a, an opportunity to, to worship with this live video every week. And that is, you know, a new different kind of ministry that is going to be happening or, like you said, it, it could be Sunday evening, or it could be Monday morning or Tuesday morning or Thursday evening, whatever it is. But to think outside the box and say, you know, it's, it's about time that we, we open ourselves to, to do church a little bit differently nowadays and bring opportunities to people where they are at and meet them where they are at. Yeah, and the other thing that struck me was just he basically took a, an entire year to hang out at the coffee shop to just kind of encounter people. Yep. And I think in the life of our established congregations, we probably do that zero hours a week. <laughs> or if, if we're really trying to be proactive about it, five. <laughs> right, uh, right, right. You know, and boy, what missed opportunities we have. Um, not that we probably could afford to spend that much time at the coffee shop. But at the same time, you know, if we aren't where people are, how could we expect to connect with them? Right. And uh, we have this tendency in the church to kind of always expect people to come to us. And uh, we're not in a position anymore where that makes sense for a lot of folks. You're, uh, you're, for, yeah. a, for a lot of reasons we've already described today. So I think we need to continue to be creative and uh, also permissive to be able to say, okay, where are the people in our communities hanging out? If Sunday morning where more people are at is on the soccer field, well, then we need a presence there. Yep. Um, and not to recruit them to come to church at the same hour or scold them because they're not there, but to find out ways to connect with them. And maybe there's a different way we need to do that with those folks. If we're not in those conversations, we don't know these folks. And uh, that's a missed, a missed opportunity for sure. It is definitely a missed opportunity, and we need to sit down and think about how we can connect with people. You're right. I mean, right now on Sundays, there are 500 students who are playing flag football in our community at, our, at, the, at the local high school practice field. 500 students. That, and then you add their families and you add their friends who are going to those games, um, and they start at 8 o'clock in the morning and end at 5 o'clock at night. And it's just a, an amazing thing to see how this, it's, it's a well-oiled machine you know, that people are going and it's all volunteer run and, and everything. And, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I'm able to find a way to, to coach my son's flag football team and to be able to connect with, with that community in some way. But, you know, you're right. It, there, there are probably four or five families in my congregation right now who are part of that league who are not here on Sunday mornings because their kids have games. And uh, to find ways to connect with them and to connect with others is, is critical. Um, and, and just think, just think of the network of people that is. Exactly. Exactly. That you are, you know, very peripheral to being in the conversation with them. Yep. And uh, so there's, if you go with the premise, there's got to be a way <laughs> to connect. Then you can start looking for what it is or, or ways we can connect with them. Yep. Yep. Amen. Amen. So speaking of new things and different things, this is the first episode of our now weekly podcast. As many of you know, we have been bringing podcasts to you every other week, uh, interview with uh, someone that we've wanted to connect with and think that they have a message that you would resonate with. And then we have a follow-up conversation about 
the previous conversation with the individual. So, but we have um, heard from a number of you that you wanted more of our podcast and we uh, have decided to go to a weekly format. We have had a number of interviews that are ready to go that we are excited to bring to you. And so uh, this week we wanted to follow up from our conversation with Mark and then next week we will bring you another conversation. So every Friday we will have a podcast ready for you to listen to by five o'clock in the morning on Friday. So if you want to get up and with your morning exercises or morning, morning meditation and, and to start with uh, two bald pastors, you can definitely do that, but it will be available for you to listen to either in iTunes or Stitcher Radio or Google Play or any other format that you would like to listen to us. So we want to thank you for your support from our podcast so far and to uh, this is one way that we want to give back to you is just to continue to bring value into your life and to help you connect your faith with your life. And um, yeah, so I'm excited about that. Jeff, how about you? I'm very excited about it. It's uh, when we're together doing this, it's a highlight of my week for sure. So I'm looking forward to even more opportunities to do just this. So and if you want to connect with us, uh, you can via our website, twobaldpastors.com. You can connect with us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash twobaldpastors. You can email us um, at twobaldpastors at gmail.com uh, or just connect with Jeff or I and just let us know um, what you enjoy about this podcast or what other things that we could do to help you connect with your faith with your life. And if you have a moment, we would love it if you would go on iTunes or Stitcher Radio or Google Play and give us uh, some feedback there. Uh, give us a, a rating and leave us a comment on some of the things that you enjoy or even some of the things you don't enjoy about our podcast. We really appreciate that feedback as well. Thank you again for listening to another episode of Two Ball Pastors. I'm Joe McGarry. And I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. We hope you have a blessed day. Bye. Bye-bye. They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors. If we don't get it, then we don't get it. That's fine. I thought it through is flawed. So, one, there's just too many. And two, like maybe it's not the right way to do it. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, I don't know the answer to either of those questions. Okay. Well, we, but, we could talk about it, too, some right. more, but uh, I guess my... All right, so... To see if you had any idea, so... Yeah. Yeah, I, I probably will, too, and... Because we can get a lot done then, I'm thinking. We can get a lot done then, yes.